Hi, this is David Spray from the IC Disc Show, and I just finished a great interview with Bob Blades, who's the president of Blades International. And uh, here's a guy that's got a very niche business as it relates to international trade, and they are foreign exchange consultants, basically. And in essence, they're an advocate for their client to ensure that the foreign exchange rates they are paying are are uh, are reasonable and um apparently it's just the nature of uh of foreign exchange that there's just a lot of complexity in it uh, by its nature and uh, and uh so they assist their clients in making sure that they've got a a fair deal with their bank they realize their the bank needs to make money and uh, but they just help their clients uh, ensure that they have a, a fair rates and uh he's got some uh Great success stories uh, with clients of theirs that they've helped in a variety of different kind of businesses, and they are very amenable to uh, to inbound phone calls, uh, emails, and uh, even a company that does uh, under a million dollars a year foreign exchange. They'd still love to talk to them, and they'll do a free analysis. So uh, I learned a lot about foreign exchange myself, and it was a really fun interview. And uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as uh, as I did. Hi, Bob. David. Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Are well, we? You. Um, are we on we're the podcast? Live. Or are we live now? We are live. Yep, we are live. Well, I I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, was delighted to speak to you the other day and set this up. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. So let's uh, let's get started. My guest today is Bob Blades, the founder of Blades International, Inc. Uh, Bob began his career in 1979 as a foreign exchange intern with Texas Commerce Bank, where he remained throughout a 30-year career dedicated to international banking. Uh, He served as vice president and manager of the bank's European division in Houston, and then as the bank merged to become J.P. Morgan Chase as senior vice president and manager of the trade finance and international banking divisions. Uh, after 30 years with the bank, Bob established Blades International in 2009 as a broker and advisor for international trade finance. Uh, your firm advises and brokers transactions for corporations, banks, and foreign multinationals specializing in structured trade finance, letters of credit, foreign exchange, and XM bank solutions such as guarantees and insurance to support U.S. exporters. Uh, your company is known for its inter- innovative FX rate service called FX Rate Integrity. And you earned a BBA with honors and an MBA from my alma mater, uh, the University of Texas. And he is a native Houstonian. And along with his wife, Cindy, is blessed to have four children and six grandchildren. So, wow. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you, David. No, it's a, it's a pleasure, and I recall you and I must have met some years ago as we both have a passion for international business, international trade, and we both have, I guess, niches in helping exporters. And so I have an appreciation for what you do because I can remember studying at the University of Texas about the DISC, which became a FISC, and uh, I guess it's now an IC DISC. So I have an appreciation for how you help your clients save money related to their, their export trade. And uh, there's some similarities to, as we also help exporters and uh, multinational companies with uh, international trade. 
Yeah, that's that is exactly right, and we uh, we appreciate what a great resource uh, your firm has been to not only to us but to our clients uh, uh, through the years. So so thank you for that. So um, do we so, go to some questions? You're gonna you'll ask me some yeah, questions now. Yeah, that's exactly what we'll do. Um, so what was it that prompted you uh, uh, to leave the bank after 30 years? Did you just uh, you know, see an opportunity in the marketplace? or, or what? Well, I did. About, about 10 years ago, I was fortunate to have an opportunity to uh, pick up a, a couple of clients that had been good clients of mine while I was at J.P. Morgan Chase. One was a steel trading group, and another uh, was a major uh, multinational engineering group. So with that, I started uh, you know, on international trade. And at first, it was mainly structured trade, some Mexican bank business, and then we got into some letter of credit business. And it was just me at first. But then uh, over time, uh, Jack Borland joined me, who had been a longtime colleague at J.P. Morgan Chase managing the foreign exchange business. And then a woman named Sherry Mama uh, also joined us, and she had been at Halliburton on the letter of credit side, and she'd been my longtime colleague uh, at Chase on the letter of credit side. And then one thing led to another, and we have a handful of, of other people that joined the business now. And we've evolved to where we are, as you mentioned, you know, brokers and, advise, and advisors for international trade. So international trade has been my passion. And uh, we started out doing more loan advisory work. But with the downturn in the market in Houston a few years ago, that, that slowed down. And with some of the challenges that Exim Bank has had, that slowed down. But fortunately, sure. we had uh, we had uh, expanded our business to do more letter of credit and foreign exchange work. And today, the fastest growing part of our business is the foreign exchange side. And as you mentioned in in, you know, in the introduction, uh, we're known and we're promoting our service called foreign exchange rate integrity, a service we've trademarked and something that uh, we're investing in and, and, and growing and developing because we've had success in helping smaller companies, middle market companies, and you know, in one case, one of the larger oil companies and some, and some multinational companies. So um, tell me, uh, so, so let's dive into that. Tell me a bit more about FX rate integrity. So, so what is it and, and what's, it, what's it do? Well, we have a, a contract with Bloomberg and Jack Borland, you know, he spent his career in front of a Bloomberg and knows how to, to use it well. Uh, because he used to manage foreign exchange at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. And he and I were longtime partners. While he was managing a team of traders, I managed the international side, and I had clients like uh, Pemex and Petrobras, the Wood Group, and uh, the multinational companies that were here in Houston that were owned by you know European and Asian companies. And those companies naturally did a lot of foreign exchange. So Jack and I did a lot of work. Um, well, then Jack and I, Jack joined the business about five or six years ago, and uh, I had been dabbling on the foreign exchange side in terms of our advisory work. And we put our heads together and we saw the opportunity to help clients be more efficient with foreign exchange. So FX Rate Integrity is basically a rate service where we help our clients understand what they pay by way of markups for foreign exchange and then help them get good foreign exchange arrangements or competitive arrangements. Jack and I are, are, are former bankers, and we believe you know banks need to make money. They need to have a fair return. But what is often the case is there's an opaque market and there's an inefficiency, and companies can pay uh, way up for foreign exchange, 
if they are not paying attention or if they're indifferent. So it, it took us a while, and we started about five years ago. And uh, but today we're doing more, and we have we've had some good success, and we're working and automating what we do to hopefully take it to an even an even higher level. Okay. So why don't you uh, could you give us some uh, some real world or give us a real world example? Sure. Uh, no, I, a client you've worked with. Um, yeah. No, I'd like to tell you. Uh, I, yeah, let me tell you about a few stories if I can, because I love. Yeah sharing about deal stories. And because we have non-disclosure agreements, I won't go into names, but sure, uh, sure. You know, we, we, we got started and we helped a couple of modest-sized companies, but our first big deal was for a major energy service company. It used to be public. Now it's part of a, a larger group, an energy service and a turbine company. And this is a company that Jack and I had helped from our days at J.P. Morgan Chase. And we looked at their data. We finally got their uh, foreign exchange trades, including their timestamps, so we could look at our Bloomberg and go back to the very specific minute that they did these trades and see how much the bank made on these transactions. And lo and behold, it was you know well over 100 basis points. It was it was high for the volume of business that this company was doing. So we explained it to them and we you know shared what we wanted to do. And again, this was the early days, and we were trying to you know, establish this service. We were trying to, you know, sort out how we would market it, how we would provide it, what we would call it. And so the, we were kind of, you know, making our way. Well, the client said, thank you. They went to the bank and immediately, you know, the, the rates were lowered and they shared some data with us and they probably lowered the rates by, you know, the markups by like 80%, real significant savings. But then they came to us and they said, thanks, but they didn't hire us. And so we scratched our head and we thought, well, gee, um, that was tough because we basically gave a real good service, but right. we stay, and so uh, so we stayed in touch. It was notable that you know we had a good relationship and we were we were still trying to think how we would do this. But we went back to the the client some months later, and they shared about six months of data, and then we put that on a chart and crafted it as we we do a lot with as we analyze trades. And lo and behold, there was a real story. The chart showed a story. The chart showed that they'd been way up over 100 basis points, how it had come down uh, significantly to less than 20 basis points. But then over that six-month period, each trade uh, was, was, was you know, going up or kind of ratcheting up. Uh, maybe not each trade, but, but the trend was up, and it was real clear. And it was obvious that by not monitoring or, or seeing that, they were going back up. And so that, that chart that we took to them and showed them uh, was a real teaching moment. And at that point, we were hired. And we went forward and lowered their markups. And I believe in that case, the average markups that they ended up paying was around seven basis points. And okay. big energy service company, and in their mind, they were doing a modest amount of foreign exchange. Uh, but it was over you know, $20 million a year, and it was significant. And when you look at the inefficiency, uh, it was a nice savings. And so we were delighted to have them be one of our first uh, larger clients. And we stay in touch with that company today. And in fact, uh, a while back, we helped them with what we call uh, FX rate integrity audit. Uh, okay. they, actually, they actually became part of a larger company, and we helped their, their parent and them with what we call audit. So that's one story. Can I tell you another one? Sure. 
And so we learned a lot from that. And then one of my other favorite stories was a, a transportation company, uh, a freight forwarder here in town. And, and again, this is a company that I had known from my banking days. And I visited with their CPA. I happen to know their CPA. And CPAs have been very good referral sources for us. And in, in developing this business, it's important to us to collaborate similar to how we're collaborating you know, with you and spreading the message mm-hmm. because what we're doing is still innovative and it's a new service and, and some people uh, you know, have a hard time understanding it first. So I visited with this uh, my CPA friend and we talked about his client, which had been one of my clients. And I said, well, you know, it may be a modest volume, but let's, let's look at it. So we had lunch with the controller and he brought some foreign exchange data and it showed that their annual volume was only about two million uh, a year. Well, we had done the larger company, which was over twenty million, and we were trying to see, you know, how low we could go. So we said, "Well, let's give this a look. Let's see if we can help this company uh, that's only doing two million a year, and you know, modest trades, but two million a year uh, in our eyes." is significant. And I think in your business as well, I mean, if you can save somebody taxes on a couple of million, I mean, that, that, that adds up. So sure. we, um, uh, we at first saw a month's worth of data and we said, yes, we'd like to help you. We put an agreement in front of them. It's a simple five-page agreement. We, I believe we were paid a couple of thousand dollars up front to be mandated and to go forward. And then our agreement was to earn a share of what we proved we saved them going forward over the next year. And it took us a while to get to that arrangement, kind of learn that that was a good way to do it, but that was the deal. So then we studied uh, nine months or a year of data. And this is what we call our back testing process, where we look and see what they have been paying in terms of markups. And we uh, definitively you know, state what that is. And in this case, it was about 3.2% that the company was paying in markups. Now, this is notable because over the sample period, they had done about 65 trades, and they paid $15 for each one of those foreign exchange wire transfers. So disclosed to them, 65 times 15 is roughly around uh, you know, $1,000. And so disclosed was about $1,000 in fees. But on $2 million, times the markup that the bank was taking or the bank was earning or that the company was paying, 3.2 times 2 million is 64,000. So their real cost was 65,000, 1,000 in fees plus a 64,000 markup. And, you know, as we saw this, we, we explained, you know, this is high. And for that volume, it's, you know, it is meaningful for a bank, but 3% or over 3% was simply too high. So the next step is, uh, you know, along with Jack Borland, we put our heads together. He did a report, and we went and saw the company. And we gave them a recommendation on how to approach the bank with the data and with the report and basically ask for a better arrangement. In some cases, there will be breakpoints, like uh, mm-hmm. you'll have a markup for up to 100,000 trades between 100 and half million or uh, trades sure. over a million dollars will be even lower. And so we gave them you know, several options, like an A, B, C, D, actually like four different options of how they might do their breakpoints and how they might do it. But they averaged around 50 basis points. And 
So we gave them the information. We coached them. We counseled them. And we were we were going to stay in the back background. And interestingly, um, uh, they went to their bank, and the bank uh, immediately or fairly readily said, yeah, we can do better, and they agreed to go to 50 basis points, about what we had suggested. So we, we explained, gosh, that's a good deal. Let's you know, take that deal, and that's what we imagine. And so the savings was over 2.5% uh, on $2 million. That's a cool $50,000 a year savings. And this was for a middle wow. market company only doing $2 million. And in this case, the CPA was really pleased because they generated goodwill. In some cases, sure. we pay revenue sharing to people that help generate business, but CPAs are our friends, and they say that they're acting as um, fiduciaries. So they, didn't, they didn't look for any kind of sharing of what we earned on this deal, but they generated a lot of goodwill. And my guess is for this CPA firm, they, may, they maybe earned 100000 a year on auditing and tax work for this company, but here they helped the company save you know, 50000 in this one year on their foreign exchange markups. And so uh, a real good deal. But there's even more to this story, which is really okay. kind of telling. And hope, can I keep going on this story? Yeah, absolutely. And I got, and I got some others as well. About. This is if you're following about me this, telling stories and me me listening. But And, and hopefully this is, this is, I think you're tracking with this and you understand and you've listened to me before. But what's really interesting here is this was the early days. And so there was an understanding that, the bank would charge 50 basis points. So what we did was, on a monthly basis, the company would send in their data, and we would check it, and we would see that it was at 50 basis points. So we did that for the first month, second month, third month, and it was right there at 50. And what's interesting is, Jack Borland and I, and you know our team now, uh, understands that these trades are being done through a computer and through a formula, or, or what we call algorithms. And it was notable that the rates were like right at 50, uh, the markups were right at like 50 basis points. It'd be like 50.2, you know, 49.7, you know, 50.5, but the average would come out mm-hmm. right at 50. So it was real notable, and we could tell, and from our days on the banking side, we'd know that the bank would set an algorithm to put them at markups of, like, of 50 basis points. But after the first three months, we decided, okay, let's just go to looking at this quarterly because this is going, you know, okay. So we later got the data for the fourth, fifth, and sixth month. And I'll never forget, Jack, you know, would do the data from, you know, back testing and looking at the interbank market rates on Bloomberg. And he came to my office and he said, Bob, look at this. And it was, it was notable that the bank had gone off the grid. Instead of 50, Within the last few trades of that period, they went up to over 270 basis points. And so, wow, this wow. was a teaching moment. So we called the client and we said we needed to go see him. So we went to see the client, and I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, Jack Borland, you know, who's one of the foremost authorities on foreign exchange in the Southwest, basically said, see the data. You know, you had an understanding at 50 basis points, but it was verbal. And we need to get it in writing because uh, that was always our intention, but we're reviewing the data for the year, so we thought we would see how things go, and then towards the end of the year, get it in writing. But we need to do it now, and you'll need to talk to the bank, and you'll need to confront them and explain your agreement was for 50, but in these recent trades, they went to 270. Then Jack advised the client, 
and this is what I'll never forget. He said, you know, the bank, uh, you know, may share with you that, you know, they made a mistake because they had your algorithm attached to perhaps another client and they changed the other client's formula or algorithm. So they accidentally changed yours, but not to worry, they'll change you back. And, and, and so this is what we shared that they might hear. Um, the following week, the client called me and said, gosh, Bob, you wouldn't believe, but the bank shared with us, you know, basically what Jack said, that they made a mistake, they accidentally changed it, but they'll change it back and they'll put it there. And, you know, you know, we had been on the banking side, so we'd kind of seen that. And likely what happened was they had a good deal. Maybe a manager came through and said, let's change all these, let's up these, whatever, and just innocently, you know, raise the markups. But the Foreign Exchange Rate Integrity Service caught that. Then we helped them get an agreement in writing such that the bank agreed to stay at 50 and let them know if they go off that. And that's the way it stayed at 50 basis points for the rest of the year. Notably, that client, after they finished the the one-year period of what we call our advisory service, where we basically earn a fee based on uh, you know pr- proven results or uh, what we might call like a success fee. But after the 12 months, they're done. And so some months went by, and we went back to them and explained for a real small fee, a real nominal fee, um, we can actually audit their account, and we and we they became our first audit client. So on a quarterly basis, we get their rates, and we audit it, and uh, and they have an assurance that they have ongoing rate uh, integrity. So okay. one of our one of our early stories and a real success story. That's a uh, that those are those are great stories. And I'm guessing that audit fee is probably uh, averages out to being uh, less than 200 basis points, huh? The difference between oh, well, in this case, no, it's even, and we don't even put it into basis points. It's interesting. Understood, but 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 in this case, the company may do, maybe they do 80, and I think it's less than 150 dollars a quarter. It may be only 600 dollars a year or so for this company. Uh, oh wow, that's cheap. So it's real low, and it's interesting. And I'm glad you kind of bring this up, David, because. Uh, uh, at, at first, we wondered about audit, and we but we want to stay in touch with these companies. We really don't make money on our audit product if you take into account what we do and staying in touch with the client. But it's sure. important for us. And um, in fact, uh, um, you know, we've now developed audit, and, and, and later I want to tell you a little bit more about uh, the automation side. But can I tell you another story that, that I think sure. about when I talk about audit? Um, another company, an out-of-state public company. Um, manufacture mainly domestic, but they did uh, they do Canadian business, and so uh, I actually got to know the company uh, and got to know their CFO. And bringing up our business and foreign exchange rate, rate integrity was kind of an aside, but they do they do about ten million a year in foreign exchange. So we um, we looked at their markups and we saw that they were at uh, you know two hundred. Uh, basis points, and for a ten million dollar flow, uh, that was way high. And in this case, I'd actually not met the company. This was all over the phone, but we told them it was high. And similar to the uh, story I told earlier, they basically came back and said they talked to their bank, and their bank agreed to you know the lower the markups. And at first, I, I believe they went to fifty basis points, 
but then they talked to their second bank, and the second bank said they would do it lower. So they actually went down to 25 basis points, from 200 to 25. But this oh, was you a saved company, them almost a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, uh, almost, you're right, and that's a big savings. And But this was over the phone, brief discussions, getting to know somebody. Well, uh, again, uh, you know, we were not hired because uh, they thought they did it. Well, we stayed in touch, and so later I visited with the company, and I decided I wanted to go, you know, see them face to face. And in visiting with them, uh, we talked about some other business. Then um, we talked about their foreign exchange, and I asked them if they were sure that they were at 25 basis points, and I asked them if they got it, you know, their deal in writing. And they said, no, they didn't really get it in writing. And they really weren't sure. And they'd been busy and rocking along. But uh, they wanted to check. And so uh, this is on a, on a complimentary basis or a free basis. They shared some more rates with us. But because I told them when the bank had told them they were 25, that might have been the case. But over a year had gone by. And I explained, well, gee, that 25, it may be up 30, 40, you know, 50 basis points, you know, telling what, where it is. And, he's, and so they agreed. So they shared the data, and we do our report, and we go back to them. And it's not – it didn't move from 25 to 30, 40, or 50. It moved from 25 to 105. And so uh, that much. It had quadrupled from what they had been told. But again, uh, it had been verbal. They had been told, don't worry, we'll go down. But over time, over more than a year during that period, the markups went up. And uh, they just did. They weren't watched. That's that's when we were hired. And so it's notable that it takes a while sometimes for companies to understand. But we were hired, and then we gave the advice, explained. And at first, the bank wanted to just go to 50 basis points. But we said, no, uh, the company needed to stress that for that type of volume, for that type of flow, and, and and because of the other aspects of the banking relationship that we knew, that they deserved to be at, at 25 points. And indeed, they got to 25, and, uh, and they too became one of our uh, FX rate integrity uh, audit clients. Okay. Wow, that's another, another good story. Another good story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how your service offering has just kind of followed uh, your clients' challenges and needs, right? Well, say that again, David. Yeah, that your your service offerings have expanded as you've had uh, uh, client dynamics occurring that you could see that there was a need for uh, for that work. Oh, indeed, and well, and, and along those lines, if I can digress for a second, you know, we we also do some LC work, and I, I'd like to go back to the foreign exchange in a second, but uh, I don't want to. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about a couple of people on our team. I mentioned Sherry Mama before. Sherry Mama is a, is a letter of credit expert that was with me at Texas Commerce and Chase for years. Then she was at Halliburton for about 10 years. And she helps uh, companies, and, and we have a special bank relationship where we help them with their LCs, with templates, with writing LCs, advising clients. And uh, we've also done and some LCs credit. being letters, letters of credit, credit. right? Yeah, letters of credit, letters of credits, and we've also done some letter of credit brokerage work. Um, and then a couple of years ago, a man named Mike Ryan joined us, who had been a client of ours uh, from his days at Stewart and Stevenson. 
And so he, too, is a letter of credit expert, and he helps uh, with one of our bank clients, and then he helps uh, on the energy service side as well, and is there as a resource to help companies um, with uh, import and export letters of credits or, or commercial letters of credits. So there's that side of the business, and, and, and that also complements what we're doing to an extent because one of our top letter of credit clients is one of our good foreign exchange rate integrity prospects. And as we get to know the company better, we're, we're better positioned to help. But to go back to foreign exchange, that is uh, the fastest part of uh, fastest growing part of our business and where a lot of time is, is going. Um, can I tell you another another deal? Sure. sure. One of my favorite uh, foreign exchange uh, rate integrity deals was helping a petrochemical company. And in this case, selling about $25 million a year to Europe and getting paid in euros. And they would have their euros directed to their money center bank you know, here in Houston. So this was captive business for uh, the bank. Well, we knew one of the executives involved, and he had known of our banking career. And so we looked at a month of data, and we said, yeah, we can help you. And you know, we gave them an indication that they were paying over uh, 50 basis points. That was high for a $25 million flow. And you know, we knew that uh, we, could, we could help. Well, some time went by, and a couple of months went by, and, and, and that prospect was kind of quiet. And we thought, well, shucks, you know, we're, we weren't sure. But it took them some time, I think, to realize, to understand. And they eventually came back to us, and they said, yes, let's do this. And, of course, we were working off of just a one-month sample, but then they shared a year's worth of data. And what we saw was on the uh, roughly $2 million a month that the company was selling to Europe, they would do – window forwards to protect against you know the, the rates going down and when they had more money coming in than the window forwards would cover they would do some spot trades so the window forwards were a little bit larger and the spot trades that were kind of the surplus over the hedging would be a little bit more expensive but overall the whole flow had an average markup of 67 basis points so that's you know around 180,000 or pushing 200,000 dollars a year in markup on this flow of foreign exchange, uh, which was uh, regular, fairly routine, and for a bank it was on a risk-free basis. So 67 was the was the markup, and so we helped them. And in this case, the company was of a good size where they had a syndicated loan agreement and they had you know various banks so we helped them do what was as simple as a one page request for a proposal to see uh what other banks might want to bid for this so interestingly the money center bank that was the agent in handling this deal they came in at something less than uh 20 basis points maybe it was 10 or 15 basis points a huge reduction and 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 Jack and I were very pleased but lo and behold, one of their regional banks that was a participant that needed ancillary business and that wanted ancillary business, and Jack and I understand how the banks operate, but this, this other bank was on the outside, and they saw that this was risk-free, regular business, and banks like this kind of foreign exchange business. So they did not know what the company was, uh, was paying in markup, but they came in at only three basis points. This was... Really? Less than ten thousand a year, 
So instead of paying 180000 in markup, it was a 95% reduction. One of the best deals I've ever done anywhere. And we were tickled. And we have good relationships with that bank, that regional bank that does it at three basis points. And and Jack and I were were just uh, we're kind of we were blown away. We were really surprised because we thought it might be you know ten or fifteen, but the market took it all the way down to to three, and just very compelling. And our client, you know, our, our client was kind of a tough guy to uh, to satisfy. And uh, and uh, uh, but clearly we exceeded his ex- expectations. And he explained that he you know still had a relationship with that. Uh, money center bank that was his agent, but he explained to them that they, uh, you know, they were high, and another bank that was in their syndicate, you know, won the business. So that was that's 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 the way it can work in this in this market. Um, wow, those are those are great stories. Well, I, should we um, keep going with questions, or can I tell you about the technology aspects? Uh, one of the, the technology things we're working on, or what, what's the yeah, best yeah, I tell you what. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell me about the technology? Well, actually, before you do that, let me just ask you another question. Two questions, real quick. Sure. One is: Are you Are you focused just on the Houston market, or do you have clients uh, outside of Houston and outside of Texas? We do have clients outside of Texas, and so we we have a global business. And in fact, one of my colleagues, a woman named Paola Gasca, is on the line, and she's listening in as we do this. And, she joined us last year. She's doing some real good work. And she and another woman on our team named Marissa Lara uh, uh, are helping us. And we're actually working on, they're both helping us with a prospect in Monterey. And it would. Uh, we've done other business for companies in Mexico, but we're in discussions and we hope that we can help this company in Monterey. And then one of the examples that I talked about earlier was... Uh, in Georgia, a public company that's you know, out of Texas, and then some of the companies we've helped are here in Texas but have foreign ownership. So, uh, indeed, our focus is here. A lot of prospects here, a lot of companies here, and that's where you know our roots are. But um, we hope to do more out of state and more global. And um, and we've got a we're working with a, you know a software company that's out of state to try to do some. Uh, more with our product on the technology side. Okay, well, let's talk a bit. Let's talk. It does, yeah. Let's talk a bit more about that, and then uh, let's talk about how uh, people can best reach you. Um, well, on the technology side, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, you know, six years ago, this was just an idea, and Jack and I, you know, spent a lot of time, and we're getting better at how we do this, but it is still. A, a chore for people to understand because it's new and it's innovative, um, but uh, we keep you know uh, making inroads. But for for clients, um, they they need to pull that data and give us that foreign exchange data, and we need to know the date and the timestamp. We need to know the dollar amount that they paid the bank, and then the foreign uh, foreign currency amount that they got or that was paid. And in some cases, it can be pulled, you know, fairly readily. Uh, but in some cases, we get it in an Excel worksheet, or most cases, and that's the best. But sometimes we get a one-page um, uh, PDF where it is a confirmation of a trade, and from that we can, you know, pick up the details and importantly that timestamp. But uh, one of our largest clients 
uh, has a person that'll spend about a half day a month to share data. And this is uh, this is one of our, our clients where the FX you know annual volume may be over a hundred million, and uh, it's a really it's a real good deal. But to enhance the service and to make it easier for them to uh, go into the audit phase, we've established what we call foreign exchange rate integrity auto audit. And in, in, in earlier, I talked to you about how we have audit clients, but now we're working on what we call auto audit. And okay. we have we have a software company, and we were just visiting the other day, and so we're in the process of writing the software, developing the process so that we can, by automation or a robotic process automation or an RPA, pull data using an API or an applicable programmable interface uh, directly to our website, to our database. And we believe if we do this for this uh, one of our large clients, that instead of it taking you know somebody a half day, it'll come uh, through robotics and we'll get the data analytics so much easier that it'll make sense for them to do this uh, and, and the cost comes way down on audit you know, uh, for a long, long time. And we hope that'll be an example and they'll be able to show other people. But, uh, and so for us, um, you know, I think often, in, you, you know, you talk about, you know, misconceptions that people might have about products. And, and here, you know, people that we work with, you know, uh, have a hard time understanding exactly what we're doing at first. And, and then they have, maybe they don't quite understand how important the data is. We've got to get the right data and specifically the timestamp. And now, we're hopeful in the coming weeks or months we will do our first auto audit with software and take this uh, to a higher level from a technology standpoint. And that's important because we're in this age of data analytics and algorithms and people in college today are taking you know classes in data analytics. And we talk to our CPA friends and they tell me how it used to be when I was, when you and I were coming out of you know University of Texas, you know it would be that. If you had 100 transactions, maybe to do the audit, you would test 10 transactions. But my CPA friends tell me with uh, technology, you can audit all 100 of those transactions. And that's similar to what we're doing with FX rate integrity and back testing. We can look and see you know, exactly what those, those markups are. And so uh, we, last year we read an article in the, uh, the Association of Financial Professionals uh, website. And it talked about how, you know, artificial intelligence is coming. In fact, Paola and I and Jack Borland visited one of our clients of the day, and we learned how they were using artificial intelligence, a very, very sophisticated, you know, major global company. And you know, we explained that what we wanted to do was simply use uh, robotic process automation or APIs to simply pull data. And for a company like that, that's not too hard. And, and so we believe that in Treasury, there, more and more will be done by robotics. In fact, it makes me think of your IC uh, disk business. I know that you need certain documentation, and I wonder if there's ways for you to – maybe this is something that you've thought about in terms of automating, but it had been on our mind for some time, and at first we were thinking, well, gee, we're going to have to get the information directly from the banks. And there is a movement called open banking to where third-party vendors like Blades International, Inc. can you know, maybe get information, but banks obviously have to be very secure – and so that's going to be maybe a, a while in coming, and, and, but there's big efforts. But when we 
looked into robotic process automation and APIs and what is being done, we realized, shucks, the best thing to do is just work with our client, let our client pull their data perhaps to an Oracle database or an SAP database, which they may already be doing. And then with our new software, we hope to be able to pull it from that Oracle or SAP database and efficiently, robotically get it to us, which will enable us to significantly you know, lower our cost of audit and, and make our business a lot more efficient. And along the technology side, if I can, if I'm not going on too long, I mean, we see... No, that's fine. We see that there's going to be a grind for years, and it's happened, but we see that these foreign exchange markups uh, will come down, and the market will get a lot more efficient because so much of the trading is done electronically. Used to be a lot was done over the phone, and used to see trading rooms being you know kind of loud and people traders with you know a phone in each ear. But the reality of it is now so much of it has moved electronically. And we've evolved into being brokers for foreign exchange arrangements when clients are doing uh, you know, uh, their foreign exchange over their internet banking systems. It's also interesting, a current event is how Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, and these other companies in the equity world have said zero commissions. I mean, it's really interesting. But if you read some of the articles about that, those companies are sometimes selling those trades, or they're making money off the deposit accounts, or they're making money off of margin loans. But these equity brokers are doing trades for almost zero commission because they make money elsewhere. And it's been mm-hmm. a huge compression in the commissions for equity trades. And that is, but that market, as we see it, is way ahead of the global foreign exchange market where there still is a lack of transparency and the market is still opaque to an extent. But with the technology, like some of the things that we've just talked about, we believe, and we're doing it now, that companies are going to get a lot more visibility, more transparency, and they will be able to better negotiate their foreign exchange arrangements, and it'll be more uh, efficient uh, you know, for the clients. That is really interesting, and I appreciate that parallel uh, that that uh, with the equity trades, uh, those spreads, you know, going you know all the way to zero now, and that the foreign exchange business uh, may may kind of mirror that, uh, but with a lag. So, well, this has really been been uh, been exciting. What if uh, what if somebody's listening to this podcast and they say, "Boy, I I sh- you know this is foreign exchange is really interesting. I didn't really understand all this. I'd like to learn more about this." Are you receptive to somebody just giving you a call or shooting you an email and in uh, talking about their situation or, or how indeed would, how uh, should indeed. people okay indeed and a lot of times you know some people might say, "Well, gee, he's talking about some big companies, some big public companies," but if a company has uh, you know, a million dollars a year in foreign exchange flow, or maybe if it's even down to around six or seven hundred thousand dollars a year, we're interested in talking to them and seeing a sample of their foreign exchange trades. And we, we like to think our proposition is pretty compelling for free, no charge, complimentary. We'll talk to somebody and we'll look at their foreign exchange data. And, and it happens that, uh, you know, we will see data. And we'll say, well, it looks like you are getting okay markups, maybe a little bit high, but they're okay. And we'd like to stay in touch, but you're doing okay. We see that sometimes. Um, But if we see that they're high and we believe we can help, 
then we'll go to a, a full proposal and share our agreement and 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 see if it is appropriate for us to be mandated to help somebody realize that Ford Exchange savings. But for free, it's easy for somebody to contact us and share the data. They can see and read about the process. They can see some of our samples from our website. And, and we're Blades International Inc., so there's a Blades International uh, website out there. There's a way you can actually send us information through the website, uh, but most people will send us an email. And what is the website? What is the website exactly? It is uh, www.bladesintl.com. Okay. So it's Blades, INTL. Of course, INTL is uh, the abbreviation for international. Sure. But um, we are we're, fortunate. We should... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, and if they want to just call you up, what number should they call? 713-977-7400. And they could ask for me. They could ask for Jack Borland. They could ask for Paola Gasca or Marissa Lara. And on the LC side, uh, they could ask for Sherry Mama or Mike Ryan. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, I can't believe how uh, how fast the time has uh, has flown by. Well, I tell you, I certainly know a lot more about foreign exchange than I did an hour ago. Um, well, well, was there a... Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I, was gonna say I really appreciate that. I just looked at the clock, and I appreciate this. And I think I told you, David, that maybe I could talk for 20 minutes or so. But I think we've got 40, <laughs> 40, 40 plus minutes, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening and, and, and letting us be part of one of your podcasts. I remember some time ago when you told me about this idea. So I think it's a great idea. And, and we are hopeful that, because uh, I've known you for a while now, I'm hopeful that we can further collaborate because I uh, hope that we can you know, further help each other because we both have that passion for international business and exporters. That's absolutely right. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time on a, on a late afternoon on a Friday to, uh, to talk to me. And uh, I look forward uh, to, to further conversations in the future. And we're going to see you next week. And I, I look forward to introducing you to Paola and others on the team because we look forward to seeing you next week. All right? That sounds great. You sure will. Thanks so much, David. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com. That's ic-d-i-s-c-s-h-o-w.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.